space, final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we're back to talk about the second, <coughs> third, whatever it is. The it's episode three. But episode it's the three. One yeah, of um, Prodigy, which is called Starstruck. And then, because we've got this little break before Discovery hits, we get to talk about the Dominion War again. So we're we're inching it forward. We'll get there. We'll get. We knew it was going to yeah. be a long project when we said we were going to do it. So <laughs> I think even if we were just doing Dominion War, we'd take nearly a year at it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it it might take us a couple of years, all told, with yeah. all the new stuff we've got at the minute. But we, you can just search it on a playlist on YouTube and just watch the Dominion War abs- episodes. Absolutely, and they're all I've marked. made it very easy to find on YouTube, everything. And they're all marked in the podcast podcast directory, so, you know, if you want to yeah. just listen to the Dominion War, they're all on there. <laughs> or up to Improbable Cause are on there, <coughs> which is what we're covering this which week. we're doing today. Um, but before... I've been really... I've had amazing self-control this week, actually. No, you're not... Because I've, uh... I've not watched the Dyes cast. <laughs> Ooh, that is pretty good, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've like watched Improbable Cause a couple of times to get ready for tonight. And I've managed to stop myself both times as it started. <laughs> that is and cast. that's even more difficult with Netflix now because well, it, it. It, it, <laughs> it wants to put the next one on, whereas before at least you either had to leave your video on or you had to... No, um, by video it's picture oh, on it, their different it, tapes. It was, wasn't it? I remember now, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was... Um, oh, which one? Uh, it's, um, which I've one got were it before? over there, so it's with... Through the looking through glass. Through the looking glass. And then and explorers. And then it's uh, the Dyes cast and the one where they build the light sail ship. Explorers, yeah, I remember. Explorers. See, DS9 had that. Had that. They were quite canny with that, with the two-parters, because it's like, right, if we make them episodes one and two, they only have to buy one tape. But if we make them episodes two and three, they've got to buy two tapes to get yeah. the full story. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's be fair. How DS9 moved into the story arc in later seasons, you had to buy the whole season. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, Little bit of Trek news, not a lot, but it's just to do with scheduling, which is not going to affect people in the UK, for example, because we we've not got Prodigy sorted out yet. But Prodigy apparently is a twenty episode first season, whereas we'd either always assumed it were ten because all the others are ten, or I'm pretty sure I read somewhere it were ten. Yeah, I, I'm quite sure that we heard it was just ten. But... So I don't know if they were fibbing or whether it's they've got an extended order from Nickelodeon, but they've also said they've renewed it for season two. Yeah, which doesn't include these twenty. So. Anyway. So that looks like an, hopefully another 20. Yeah, so we're, we're getting at least 20-plus episodes of Lord uh, Prodigy. But Prodigy. The, the way they're laying them out is this. We're going to get five in this batch. So we're going to have one week where we get a Prodigy and a Discovery, which we will we will cover on one episode. It'll probably be a long episode. Then we're having a break 
from Prodigy until Discovery's nearly finished, then the last two episodes of Discovery, as it stands right now, are also going to have a Prodigy, and then Prodigy's going to run for three more weeks after that, which we assume Picard will then start, and then there's another 10 of Prodigy that's going to come sometime in 2022. We were saying just before we went on air, we wouldn't be surprised if they're going to dot them in between the others. So we might get a couple after, uh, another five after Picard. and then Maybe a bit of overlap, the same with Discovery. Yeah, and then probably start Strange New Worlds, then maybe another five before the cycle starts again with um, Lower Decks. But who knows? Who knows? Um, and hopefully at some point we'll get them in the UK. But... <laughs> well, Nickelodeon said that they're not going to show them until CBS, CBS or Paramount Plus has shown the entire first season, then Nickelodeon are going to do it. Which you can understand, because they're... Like, on Paramount Plus, they're getting the adult audience are watching it with the kids. But once it goes to Nickelodeon, that'll be the pure kid audience. Yeah, that's and it. Nickelodeon won't want breaks. They'll want to be able to go... Yet we have 20 weeks to keep the kids interested. If we have big breaks, they're going to walk away. Exactly. Because I remember watching stuff when you were a kid, and a year is a lot longer time when you're a kid. Oh. And you'd watch your cartoons or whatever, and it'd be on, it'd finish. And then what feels like two decades later, but it's probably only actually less than a year, but it'd come on again, and you'd be like, remember something about you know did I used to like this I think I used to like it I can't and and even more so now because we have serialized storytelling like to be fair some kids cartoons did used to do serialized storytelling like your Cities of Gold and your Ulysses and your stuff like that but you know, your He-Mans weren't so much with the, yeah, the ongoing like, story be fair, arcs. To be fair, when you look at the serialised cartoons, like, like you say, with Ulysses and Cities of Gold, they were ahead of serialised TV. They were half, like, Cities of Gold, I missed the last episode. and Oh, as I, as I said, like, as a kid, time seems to go on a lot longer, so it felt like I'd been watching Cities of Gold all my life, you know, waiting for this ending, and... I've heard since that it finished on a cliffhanger anyway for a sequel yeah. series that they, they did. I think they have made it now, but they didn't make it at the time. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Starstruck, episode three of um, Prodigy, <coughs> and straight off the bat, we got what we expected. The The end credits sequence we had at the end of last episode is now the opening credits, which, yeah. yeah. Th- like, that's quite a normal thing to do with the premiere. Where yeah. you put the end credits at the end, so you don't. If it has any spoilers in it, they're not spot. You get to watch the episode before you see them things. Yeah, unlike the DS Nine episode we're looking at in a minute, which has got an Abrantain in the opening credits, and <laughs> obviously we had fun with it with Picard when season one of Picard aired, didn't we? Where Jonathan Frakes kept coming up on the credits even when he wasn't yeah. supposed to be in it, and Jerry Ryan <laughs> when she's only in it last two minutes. But yeah, giving away Jane Wade have been. I mean, if they hadn't have gone all in on the promotional well, material, but yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we finally get to spend a bit of time with the Jane Wade program. Then we obviously got the tease last episode, but yeah. Well, this this literally starts where the last episode yeah. ended, and we get a 
I think they're quite clever with how they really clearly sort of lay out the rules of what she can and can't do. Because this could have easily been, right, Janeway's in charge now, she's giving the orders, and that's it. But no, this needs to be a show about the characters that we met last week, and Janeway needs to be there to nudge them in the right yeah. direction and guide them a bit. And she's really clear with that. She's like, I'm programmed to assist. Yeah, but I can it's only control lower level systems. Yeah. And I've been thinking about this all week and okay, she can maybe directly as a link to the computer while she's just a hologram mm. who's stood there doing low level systems. But we already know in Federation technology in this time period, the holograms are solid look at the doctor from Voyager. So she could quite easily be solid and press the buttons herself. That's a very good point. And maybe we'll get that in a later episode, yeah, maybe. Like, like I think I think she's saying less than what she can do. I think she like, is. I, I think she's playing I think she's playing it smart. Like she know we know that holograms are very self-aware as soon as they come on. We have seen that, but mm. we know who is who. And she must, like, she'll immediately recognise half of these as being Alpha Quadrant species. Well, she calls Pot, um, thingy a Tellarite, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, but she'd obviously know Tellarites, the Medusan, the Brickar. Um, she won't know Dal, she won't know... Won't know Gwyn. Um, Gwen. And Murph, there's not a lot to know, really. Murph, she won't know. Yeah. But she'd know half of them and they're in the wrong place. And I think she's playing it sort of a bit coy, oh, you must be cadets and all that. <coughs> but I think she's fully aware that they don't really belong on this show. Oh, she's I... trying to work... And she's working out what they are. I think so, because you get the bit where where she says, oh, I can tell you're not full officers, you're cadets, but... She pauses before she says cadets, and it, the view we have is like zoomed into Janeway's eyes, and you can almost see her sort of ticking over, like what what should I say here? Because yeah, it's like she don't want to embarrass them and risk sort of making enemies of them. Like if she comes straight out and says you're not meant to be on this ship, it's going to create antagonism. But she's like. Yeah. I'll give them a bit of leeway and I'll I'll make it look like they've got yeah, one over so, on me. It's almost like she's trying to find out the lay of the land. Yeah, she wants she wants them to feel like they're the ones in charge for now, and so that she can nudge them and help them and everything. So yeah, I'm liking where Janeway's going so far. And th- there's a really cool bit where first of all she says, "I'm going to help you on your journey back to Federation space." So that. I think we're just going to have to put a pin in that for now because that's obviously going to tie into the bigger mystery of what is this ship, why is it here? Yeah, like, we get a few more clues, don't we? Like, when um, Bob goes down to the engine room and Mm. he recognises it's got two warp cores and he's there, this will easy do over warp nine. Yeah. and 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 then it's sort of like, what's that? And we... Like, we haven't seen it in the show yet, but we've seen it in clips where it changes shape and there's this, like, third... Third nacelle comes out. Nacelle, and I think it's that. And I think it's some sort of slips. 
Slipstream depth drive. That does seem like the the best bet at the moment, but I think that that's obviously going to be the mystery yeah, of the. But there's got to be some reason with this slipstream drive because I think it's quite obvious that it's travelled to the delta quadrant really fast from the alpha quadrant. So why can't he use this slipstream drive to travel really fast back with them? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. And it, it, if it is a slipstream drive, is that why the diviner wants it? Is he thinking, I can use it to... Because we, we've only really seen the prison planet. Like, we don't know if this diviner actually controls a whole area of space, whether yeah. he's got an empire. We don't, we don't know a lot about him, so maybe he's wanting it to aggressively expand somewhere. We don't know. All, all I'm hoping now, though, with the announcement that the first ten episodes are getting split is that we get some of these answers in the first five now, otherwise that's going to be pretty frustrating. Like, when we thought we had ten in a row, I was like, oh, let it play out a bit. Yeah, that, like, that'll, yeah, there's enough time to tell a story in ten, but, like, yeah. is it five in a row that this is only going to, that it's going to episode five, so we've got two more weeks of it? I think... Or is it going to go to episode six so it's shown five No, times. I think it's five, so I think we've only got two more. Two more, two, yeah. I'll double-check that, but... Um, yeah, because, like, this is episode three, so if they're stopping after episode five... It's... Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it's we've only got two more because Discovery's due in, um, in a couple of weeks, so... Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Anyway, um, then... You get this beautiful bit where Janeway talks about what the Federation is and we get the lovely graphic with the sort of stylized animation and there's so many, like, Easter eggs and stuff in there. Like, we see all the different species, we see all the different ships. Yeah, we see Discovery. <clears throat> yep, the Discovery's on there. Or Which... a cross-field class. It doesn't necessarily mm. have to well, be Well, there was the only two of them, weren't there? Well, yeah, it could be the Glen. That yeah, didn't but do all, got blown up. Way, yeah, it's sort of like, why has she got a thing of this of discovery? Mm. And all that, because like, that was established at the end of season two, that they were Big secret. sort of deleted it from all the records and never to be spoke of again for it just to be in a, in a standard hologram of showing the Federation. No, I don't know. Um, I think and it's... How, and how pissed was Janeway... When she found out about the discovery. <laughs> yeah, she won't have been happy if she found out about the spore drive. Um, there's also, as well, the original Matt Jeffries Enterprise. Yeah, um, Which, nice. I like that because a lot of people are sort of up in arms and, oh, they've replaced it with the Disco Prize and all that. And it, we have not oh. had it officially said that they've done that. that we can headcanon no. that there was a refit. We, we, we can headcanon that there's been a refit before Kirk took over. Yeah, there's been a... The, you know, any anytime the Enterprise looks different, there's been a refit that we haven't yeah. seen. And that works, so... And this kind of canonises that, really, so we're going to have to go with that. So yeah, I'm quite go. happy to do with that. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm quite happy that they've put into canon now on screen... That the original episode still, the original Enterprise still exists in these new time. Yeah, this in new Trek. Exactly, and I think that's a nice thing to do. And 
Hopefully it'll stop people worrying about it, but um, I'm sure it won't. I'm sure there'll be loads of arguments, but anyway. And um, there's, like, you get the different reactions, like Rock says that she wants to boldly go. She's yeah. well up for it all, whereas Dal's like, oh, I'm not so sure, you know, we can't trust people in authority, and you can kind of see where he's coming from. I mean, we yeah. we know the Federation are good guys, but Dal's not seen 700 episodes of Star Trek, so he yeah. doesn't well, that's know. Well, he's never seen the Federation <laughs> before, so exactly. it's not like, well, is it just another empire? Like, to him, it, like, all of these have been captured by the Kazons, so is he thinking, well, it's just another group group like the Kazon, or... Well, if he doesn't like the Kazon, he could have a right chat with Janeway about some of the stuff that... Um... Well, well, none of them have any reason to like the No, exactly. Kazon. Even Gwen doesn't like the Kazon, because she threatened them for bringing someone so young. That's true, actually, yeah. And we get quite a bit <coughs> of sort of development of Gwen this episode, like... We talked last week about sort of how close exactly are her and Dal and are they mates yeah. or are they not mates and this episode seems to come down more on the side of they're not actually that close. That They've talked but they're not friends. Yeah. Like, like Gwen maybe saw it that they were because she didn't have, because she was trying to find people who were on there just yeah. thereabouts doctor. But Dal... Oh, is always considered uh, as his um, guard. Yeah. Imprisoning him. Definitely, and obviously we've got the rules reversed now, so they managed to find the brig and sling her in the brig. And we do get a little bit of the Diviner this week, but not a right lot. Like, we find out that they, they've managed to suppress the prison planet again, and that they're not expecting another uprising. Um, but he's all about getting his ship back now and he sets off at the yeah. end. Um, what did you, at the end, does he cloak the planet? Yeah, he looked like he cloaked the planet. That's what I, I thought, yeah. He says, I don't think it's actually a planet. I think it's more an astro large astro yeah. asteroid. But yeah, it looked like he, yeah, he's leaving it, but he's like, cloak it so that nobody else goes there while yeah. I'm away sort of thing. Um. There's a really cute scene with the the replicator where Jank and Pog's like, right, okay, I'm just gonna get it to make everything. But then you you have that really sort of sweet, innocent thing with Rock where she's like, Well, this is the only thing I've ever I've ever known yeah, how this to is go. The only food I know. I've been so, a prisoner all my life. So yeah, so, all my memorable life I've been a prisoner on this asteroid. So she replicates. Which is quite sad. Yeah, it is. And I definitely feel like uh, Rock's been kind of set up as the, the heart of the crew, really. Yeah. Oh, She's yeah. just this sweet innocent, and that's just a lovely scene. And Janeway says, no, you, you know, you can dream big. Yeah. yeah. And um, I can see... But I like, I like a girl who knows <laughs> what she likes. <laughs> yeah, I can see Janeway taking Rock under her wing, perhaps more so than the other ones. You know, she was... She was obviously quite maternal with Seven and with um, Naomi Wildman, so yeah, I can, like I can she see... Yeah, she had a funny look on the bridge, didn't she, when she's talking to them all, around the hologram time, and she goes, like, who's the captain? Mm. When immediately pipes up, I'm the captain. Turn this ship around, set course for yeah. where we come from. And, Del's, and even Janeway sort of looks to... Because at this point, she's still restrained. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I imagine, obviously, Gwyn is going to integrate into the crew a bit more, but we don't get that this episode. They're not, they're not rushing it. No. But she is Which sort is quite of, good. I have no problem them not rushing it. No, I don't. And it. she is showing, like, a bit of regret. Like, there's a bit where Rock talks to her and says, why didn't you help us? And she seems to genuinely regret not doing more for them when they were back on the yeah, planet and Yeah, and she everything. said, well, my father said that you're all prisoners and criminals. No, we were kidnapped. Yeah, but then... We were kidnapped and there were slaves. And that's it. Like, is, is she lying a bit there? Because she was there when the case on brought them in and the, the case on outright said to her, I've brought you all the prisoners and all the orphans. So she knows yeah. that they're bringing orphans as well as, as yeah. well as criminals. So and it's like, um, what is it? A dad, he calls them the unwanted. Yeah. Maybe that's quite a new thing though. Like maybe growing up, he always just told her, yeah, they're all prisoners and it's only when yeah. he's. Well, I think he's calling them like the unwanted because like, no one's missing the fact that yeah. he's kidnapping all these people. Um, I'm wondering... He, he's, he, he's, he's obviously found a source of labour, and it is slave labour, but no one's sort of challenging the fact. He's taking all these people and no one misses them. Yeah. No, I think it's definitely that, but I'm, I'm wondering about when Gwyn was growing up, because it, it seemed like in the first episode that he's just starting to give a little bits of work yeah. to do, sort of behind the scenes, if you like. So it makes me wonder if while she's growing up, he's just told her, yeah, I'm a, I'm a prison guard. These are all prisoners. These are all criminals. And then as she's got a bit older and he's wanted to bring her into it a little bit, he's given her a little bit more here and there and she's starting to get the bigger picture and that's where yeah, she's at she, she, when we meet her. But, like, it's that way, because I'm, I'm still quite sure that was a cat on that was brought in. Yeah. The really young one. And she said, if you bring us one that this young again, mm. so she know she knew at that point this isn't a prisoner, this is someone Yeah, I think so. Him. But I'm I'm wondering if that's quite a recent development yeah. in terms of her understanding of what a dad does. Almost like sort of if you grew up in like a mafia family, you probably don't know a lot about the family business until you get old enough that they yeah. they want to, not that I've grown up in a mafia family, but I've seen The Godfather and you know I've seen a lot of stuff. And yeah, they have, they have like privileged childhoods and yeah, and then it's but then it's to get older they're sort of taken out on the odd job or two. And yeah, and it's this is what we really do. So so then it's it's almost like we've got an episode of two halves. Really, the first half is everything we've talked about, which is all character stuff, and then we get into the action of the episode and that's Dal's picked this place for them to go, which it looks like he picks it at random, but does could he be choosing what he... Because th- we, we know that he doesn't know where he comes from, so maybe he's he yeah. looking for his home world. And that's Possibly. why he's... You know, I don't know. We, we'll maybe get some more on that later on. But Janeway tries to warn them they're going to be in the path of a red giant and that's where they end up. So we basically get the second half is more or less action all the way. Like, Dal dismisses Janeway, but she's obviously still listening because she switches herself back on. Yeah. But 
there's this thing with diversion all, all the power and they make a bit of a joke like if you divide all the power then it's going to do this but it doesn't seem to divert the life support or the gravity or the um, shuttle replicator. The shuttle, yeah, so it's it's not really all power, is it? You know, it's yeah, it's but it does divert the brig. Yeah, I think it's sort of one of them <laughs> things where it's said, and I think as a younger audience, you're not going to be bothered by no, that. No, you're not going to question it. But as adults, we're sort of picking up on that straight away. Hold on, you've diverted all power, and Jayway's gone. She, you sure you want to divert yeah. all power? Because it'll do, and he cuts her off. Because it, it seems like that's the joke they're going for, is if you divert all power, everything else is going to switch off. But, yeah. but they don't sort of go the whole hog with that. They um, it, it, it sort of divert power that's convenient for the plot, really, because it lets Gwyn yeah. out and it shows that Dal's a bit out of his depth, but it leaves other things on. And then... The, the jettison all non-essentials, which includes two escape pods, only two for well, the Well, however ship. many escape pods it adds, well, it jettison them all. It says ejecting pod one, ejecting pod two, and she says, are there any left? And it says no. So yeah. it's like, that's a bit, unless there were just two in that section that she was in, which I think that's probably well, what we have to... I'm not sure, because, like, surely if she goes, is there any more? And instead of saying yes to some more in section so and so so and so, mm. it's no reason. I'll replicate. Do you want me to replicate? Yeah, the true. So the shuttle replicator then is this a bit of a a dig at Voyager because of all the shuttles that it went through? Well, maybe. Um. Possibly, but I don't have as big a problem as a lot of people. I don't have a problem with it because, like, I want. I do have problems with the scene, but I'm I'm assuming on Voyager that they could replicate parts for shuttles. Yeah. Because we see them building the Delta Flyer. So I'm assuming they could build replicate parts and panels and all that, but they had to put them together. Um, we know from DS9, we never saw them, but we know that industrial replicators yes. exist. Because they... Uh, said so many to Bajor, and an industrial replicator, I'm imagining, um, recreates machinery. Yeah, yeah. And we even had in uh, TOS, we had on um, Devil in the Dark, we even had um, Scotty saying, I can, we can make something. So I'm assuming that even in TOS days, you have some mm. sort of replicating technology. Yeah. So I have no problem that. They've taken the next step where... No, I don't. I think it's a clever we can, idea. We can replicate this. Um, you obviously can't dial, uh, replicate um, deuterium and yeah, yeah. fuel or, or uh, dilithium for warp core, but there's no reason why they can't beam them things things in once the shell is Yeah, built. exactly, if they've got a stash of them and then, yeah. But I do have a problem that it's replicating this shuttle... Mm. Well, people are stood where it's replicating this shuttle. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that sequence is... Um, it's its either a rip-off or an homage, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's from Minority Report. There's a scene in that where the two characters fight in, like, a car assembly bay 
and it and it's exactly the same thing that like it's building a car around them as they're fighting, yeah. and I think it finishes with one of them speeding off in the car once it's you know Tom Cruise yeah. or whatever speeding off in it, and and I think it's a very deliberate shout out to that, which is, you know, if if you're gonna steal from someone. There's worse things than stealing from Steven yeah. Spielberg. Like, you know? I just thought, I just thought this was a total disregard of any uh, safety protocols. The yeah, it don't make sense. Maybe the safety protocols were offline, though. Maybe that's some of the what, that, powering down safety protocols. Yeah, that, off, but you can still replicate. Yeah, that got diverted, <laughs> but the replicator didn't. You know, so it could be that. Um, and then obviously the the little character arc we get is that. Dal starts off, I don't need Janeway, I can do it all myself, but he can't. And he does have a bit of growth that he realises that he needs her help. But then this is again where we go back to what we were saying about Janeway. She doesn't come in and say, do this, do that, do that. She she gets the best out of them, like she pushes yeah, them she's to do it. Yeah, she's pushing them to come up with the answer. Like, yeah. I got the impression here... Like, when she's pushing them to get the answer and they get out of it, that at no point were they actually in danger that she could have taken over at any time. Oh, yeah, I think so. I think she would have... She could have and would have done it if they hadn't got their act together. Yeah. Um, Not least because, you know, Hologram Janeway's part of the ship, so she's probably programmed to... For self-preservation and stuff. Yeah, to save the ship if she can do, so... You can't imagine that Starfleet sends out all these ships and then goes, oh, we've lost another one because some kids found it and drove it into yeah. a star. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I, I <laughs> still stand with what I said before, that I think Janeway can control a lot more of the ship. I think she can. Than she's letting on. And like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if in a later episode she shows that she can touch things and they're like, what, you've been able to touch things the whole time? And yeah. So yeah, I think she's she's giving them what they need at the moment rather yeah, than she's sort showing of, a full hand. Yeah, she's realizing that they're not actually a threat. But I think she's still not fully up to what where they are. Yeah. But she's probably like because she's part of the ship, she's probably overheard the conversation between Dallon when when she's in the bridge. Oh yeah. And Rocket when, when they're in the bridge. So she's getting so she'll get that idea that this is a prison break, but why are your kids having to break out yeah. of prison? She'll be. What's going on here? Because I think this is that's the like thing. really. I, th- I think the, she can see the potential in them, and she wants to yeah. nurture it rather than cutting it off too early. Yeah. And she says at the end, you know, this is like the formation of the Federation. You know, you you different people, diverse people coming together, and you've got potential. Edge. Yeah, and I've I've uh, seen worse ragtag crews. Yeah, like which is, is she true. is she referring to the Marquis then having a bit of dig at Chakoti and his crew? I think she's having to go at all of them. I think she she <laughs> got back to the Alpha Quadrant and we're like, oh, this is what proper crews are like. That bit of sense. <laughs> uh, well, but, she obviously got a lot of uh, reward commendations since she once she got back to. The it Alpha says Quadrant. she's one of the most decorated ever. Yeah, so, yeah. Where. Because she was, when she left, when Voyager started, this, I think this was actually her first command. Yeah, I think it was. So she's gone to the <laughs> Delta Quadrant for seven years. I mean, technically. Made it back, and I think they've just given her a load of uh, medals for everything. Yeah, I mean, technically, 
she did do what she was sent out to do, which were to find out what happened to Mackie. Yeah. So, I mean, it took her seven years, but she did do that. So, mission accomplished. Yeah, so, but, I mean, maybe she had a, an illustrious career after, but... Well, we do know we, that she got promoted. She got promoted uh, very quickly, so I, I can't see her of spending a lot more time as a captain. But you know what? She did get a lot done in in Voyager. If you ignore all the times that she violated the Prime Directive and the Temporal Prime Directive <laughs> and the Omega Directive and this, that, and the other, then yeah, she got she got a lot done. Uh, but yeah, it finishes again on a really high optimistic note where she says we've only just begun. So hopefully next week it's going to be a bit more sort of almost a Starfleet Academy show that everybody's always wanted. You know, are we going to yeah. get? Are we like, going to get Janeway fair, briefing him and training fair, like, him? Like we talked about the first episode, the the premiere two part. How much it felt you could see similarities to Star Wars, mm. where this felt more like Star Trek. Definitely, yeah. This was a Star Trek episode. Yeah. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. I think anybody who had that that issue with the first episode hopefully will be a, a little bit more assured with this one yeah. that, that this is very much a Star Trek show. Um, so, so far, it, it's going well, it's Prodigy. I'm, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Definitely. So we'll see what episode three brings us, but for now four. then... <laughs> four, sorry. I know it's confusing. I know. They're just, just... I think once we get a few in, it'll get easier. We'll get used to, to it, definitely, yeah. Uh, so back to DS9 then, the Dominion War. So, yeah, improbable cause. And this is this is where it starts to kick off, really, isn't it? This, this takes yeah. us to the next gear in the, yeah, the Dominion War. Yeah, this is sort of like, yeah, let's... <laughs> I mean, this, cruising. Let's step step on gas a bit. This two-parter could have been the season three finale. Like I, oh, I, I don't very know. Easily. I don't know why it wasn't really. Because we get the adversary, which is a a good episode, but it it's not huge in the way this one's huge. Like the, this yeah. one really ups the stakes yeah, and is, everything. Yeah, if improbable cause it actually beat season finale. Dyer's cast. Yeah, well, I'm not quite sure you could have done it that way. I think you would have had to have both because yeah. th- this is... I mean, this is a whole episode basically focused around a guest character and it shows how confident DS9 was at this point that you can have a gripping episode of television and the main focus of it isn't even one of your main characters. It's this guest character who we've built up over three years to the point that is one of the most interesting characters in the show. Yeah, like I think I think saying he's a guest character is sort of pushing it because yeah, true. Is I think if you ask people, is Garrick a main character or a guest star? Yeah, definitely. People would say he's the main character. Yeah, he definitely straddles that line, particularly um, later on. But, I mean, at at this point, he's been in it a fair bit, but he's not... Yeah. Particularly in the later seasons, it does get to the stage where (coughs) you expected Garak to be in nearly every single episode, whereas at this point it was still, oh, it's a Garak episode. but, But, yeah, so... 
It starts off literally with a bang then. We get, obviously, Bashir and Garak are talking about Shakespeare, but we yeah, move um, on. Garak is right. Julius Caesar should have seen what was coming. He saw it straight away. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, I think and there is a thread of this, isn't there, with Garak and Bashir talking about literature and things like yeah. that in other episodes that... Cardassian stories don't work the same way as human stories. So no, not at they, all. They don't appreciate the sort of irony of Caesar's situation and the tragedy of it. They're like, well, that's just silly. You should have known what was. Yeah. But, yeah, his shot blows up then. And I love how straight away Odo's really suspicious of it. <laughs> like even when they're going round with the tricorders and stuff, Odo's like he sort of does his huh thing that he usually only does with Quark. Yeah. <laughs> but he's doing it with Garak now. And it's even got to the stage like when they're in the infirmary and Odo's outright just going, Look, we think you were in the obsidian order. And up until <coughs> this point, it's always well, been a bit unsaid as that. Yeah, like, I think Odo knows it was in the Obsidian yeah. Order, but he can't prove it. Oh, yeah, that's it. And, like, Bashir, I think... Bashir, I think, at this stage, he's pretty sure that he probably was, but I think Bashir's a bit more gullible and can get strung yeah. along by Garak's lies, <laughs> whereas Odo's just got no time for it at all. And and I think that's what makes this dynamic between Odo and Garak so much more interesting. So up until this point, we've always seen him with Bashir. And Bashir gets led along by it and gets swept up in the mystery and the romance of it. Whereas Odo's just like, let's stop messing about now, you know. If yeah, you want Odo's our help. very straight, in it? And straight to the point, and he's yeah. honest and truthful. And, and it's... He's just got no time for it. It's like, if, if you want our help, if someone's trying to kill you, you need to tell us what's going on and we're not in the mood for this lying about it. And, like, there's a lovely bit later on where um, they, when they, they think it's the Romulans and they say, well, wh why would the Romulans try and kill you? And Garrett says, I don't know. And Odo says, well, no, he's telling the truth because if he did know, he'd be making something up and he'd yeah, be telling us... Yeah, he'd be stringing the whole set of lies <laughs> together. Yeah. <laughs> and going back to the, the first sort of confrontation then, and Garak says that he was exiled for tax avoidance. That's his, <laughs> his latest one. And... That would be fantastic if it turned out that was true. That'd be a great <laughs> twist if that was actually the case. But um, somehow I doubt it. I don't think. Yeah. We, I don't think we ever get the true story. I mean, Andrew Robinson wrote the novel, didn't he? Where he actually yeah, sort of delved into it. Yeah. But he's wrote the novel where he tells it, but on screen from no. which canon, it's always left as a bit of a mystery what has happened. Yeah, we know it's something to do with Inabrantain and it, the, in the the previous Garak episode, The Wire, where he tells about four different versions of the same story, that one's... <laughs> there's probably little bits of truth in each of them. Well, well it's like he, Garak says something with a, a good lie is that it's based on the truth. Yeah, exactly. And that, so... 
like it's like there's I can't remember which like when it is, but there's one of them where he's been telling a load of stuff to Julian, and Julian asks him which one was true, and he goes all of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially the lies. Yeah. And there's the bit with where Bashir tells him about the boy who cried wolf, and <laughs> Garak's answer to that's really good. There, it's like I love when he's first yeah, telling it. Like Bashir's going, it's it's immoral that you shouldn't tell lies. No, Doctor, you've got that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> the lesson is that you should never tell the same lie twice. Yeah. And I love the bit where he starts telling it and he says, oh, and he, you know, he said the wolf was coming and they all congratulate him. Garak goes, clever lad. He's really <laughs> impressed by this, <laughs> by this boy who's clever enough to, to spin these lies and everything. So it gives us a bit of insight into Garak and everything. But then I get the impression there that Garak's probably heard that story before, but he's he's letting Bashir have his moment and letting Bashir tell his story, and he's thinking, I've got a witty comeback to this at the end. I'm just going to let him... Well... Let him come out with it It's hard to know with Garak. Yeah, exactly. how much of another species culture he'll have studied. Yeah, and... true. I imagine... It's one of them stories that there's probably equivalents of it in most other cultures, but possibly yeah. not in... There's maybe an equivalent version in Cardassian culture, but where they finish up by saying, and that, you know, you know what that means, don't you? Don't tell the same lie twice. <laughs> Otherwise, he wouldn't have gotten eaten by voles or whatever the Cardassian yeah. equivalent is. And a, a similar thing is when... He's in um, Odo's office and he's going, well, how do you know I haven't read all of your security things before? And you can absolutely believe that with Garak. Like he... Yeah. And, like, Odo sort of looks at him and I think the reality is that Garak has read all of his security and files. Even if he's not read Odo's, he's either got his own or he's got other sources of intelligence that he probably knows as much, if not more, yeah. Than Odo does. And this is one of them episodes where once you know that it's Garak who blew up his own shop, it is effectively the first half of the episode is just a performance by Garak to nudge Odo to the next stage. He is just absolutely <laughs> playing him like a violin, isn't he? Yeah. Is <laughs> oh, there's evidence of a Flaxian assassin. Well, oh, look. It's like, well, first time watching this, you don't know that it's Garak. No, exactly. It, that... It's really well done. And, like, we have had previous episodes where Garak has been attacked in his yeah, shop yeah. randomly for no reason. Oh, it's believable. Um, Just for being a Cardassian, so... <laughs> it's... I mean, Inabrantain finds it funny, doesn't he, with Garak? He's like, you're a piece of work, you know, to think to... <laughs> To do it that way, just to get Odo involved. And, it, yeah, it is quite an elaborate and dangerous oh, plan, yeah. really. And that there's a great bit where Odo interrogates the Flaxian, and it, it's almost it's almost like Columbo or something. Like, he'll ask him a question about the investigation, then he'll ask him about a perfume. Yeah. And then he'll give him another question, and then he goes back to another perfume. And it, But it turns out the perfumes that he's picking out that's part of his interrogation as well, isn't it? He's, he's almost yeah. getting the Flaxian off guard. 
Yeah, when you when you mix all three of these, you make, it creates a, po- a poisonous toxin yeah. that most people wouldn't know about. <laughs> and the assassin guy's just like, oh, no, you know, I just, I just No, don't. I just don't think she'd like the scent. <laughs> yeah, and this is another one of them where when Odo's talking about someone, you like, he's so obviously thinking about Kira. You know, he's making up this story, oh, I've got this yeah. lady friend and... You almost feel sorry for Oda. You're like, oh, he's imagining Kira in his mind when he's doing this story. <laughs> and obviously the Flaxian gets killed and it looks like Romulans. And Well, the Romulans don't deny it either. No, that's the great bit. Because they go, they have that sort of cut, don't they, between it. Like they say, oh, I don't imagine the Romulans will be very forthcoming. And then it just goes to, yep, we blew him up. Yep, we blew him up. We've been after him for a year and we got... Yep. Uh, we we found out that he'd just been on that he'd been on your station. Yep, that's it. Not not bothered. Yep, we did it. Uh, <coughs> they're quite refreshing in a way. The Romulans that they don't they they're all about the subterfuge and the lies and the secrets, but they're also quite forthcoming sometimes. With yeah, yeah. It, it's like Odo's questioning them because uh, we have reason to believe that he was trying to kill Garrick and go Garrick, a cobbler. Yeah, we'll correct our record. Yeah, we'll correct that. And that's quite like it shows how much the Tal Shiar know if they know the occupation of civilians on a. Well, it it shows how much interest they actually take in Garrett. Yeah, that's like, true. You've got to like saying he's a cobbler is probably though no, they they know full well he was a tailor. Mm. <laughs> Well, obviously, um, the Tal Shiar will know exactly what he is, but as we know with Romulans, there's there's layers, isn't there, of information. Yeah. So this one's probably only got this well, entry-level stuff, and then the well, Tal Shiar it, have got that. it's one of that. those things, isn't it? Are the Romulans playing it where they go, oh, the cobbler? And it's to see if Odo will tell them the truth of what yeah, he does. Yeah, true. See if Odo <laughs> lies about it. Yeah. yeah. Could well and that'd be. be a very Romulan thing to do with. It well. would, yeah, right. We know that their security chief don't want us to know who Garak is, so that tells us <laughs> that Garak's more important than yeah. Yeah. Odo gets a good dig about the Romulans though, oh, they could do with a good tailor with their uniforms. <laughs> That's sassy Odo, very sassy. <coughs> and then he goes to meet this informant and I think, do we maybe see this informant one more time? I can't remember exactly, but I have a feeling maybe we get him I've got a more. feeling that he get, that Odo meets him one more time and he gets assassinated straight after. Yes, possibly. And, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a plot contrivance because it's we need someone to give Odo some information at this point in the story, but it's also believable that Odo would have an old contact from Cardassia. Well, well, we do know that Odo worked <laughs> mm. as the chief of security for the Cardassians on DS9. Yeah, and and I get the feeling that this is one of those characters that they were just trying out, and if, if they'd have liked this idea or if they'd have needed him again, they could have used this character again, but it just gets, as yeah, I say, maybe we see... sort of, no, we don't need him. yeah. And I always had, and this is just a total fan theory, but this guy says to Odo, do you still do the neck trick? 
And Odo says, no, I don't do that anymore. And there's an episode where Gull Ducat's talking to Odo about his neck trick. And he says, oh, Gull so-and-so used to really enjoy it. Yeah. So my headcanon has always been that this is that Gull that Ducat's talking about because he likes the neck trick. Um, I mean, it could be, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't matter, we don't know anything else about that goal other than he likes the neck trick, but I just like that as a, a little bit of headcanon that, oh, we, we have mentioned a goal who likes that and this guy mentions it, so maybe. Um, then we get, Odo tells him all oh, these other ones are dead and Garak's really happy about it, he's like, well, yeah, you know, that's brilliant. If it was any other day, I'd be really, I'd be having a party about it. That's fantastic. And Odo then, Odo's not been as in the dark as we thought because he says, "I've known since I spoke to the Flaxian that you didn't blow that he didn't blow up your shop." And this gets a question poisons people. Exactly, and so Odo's known what... They've both been playing off each other, really. Like, Garak's thought that he's got the upper hand. Odo's thought that he's had the upper hand. And it comes to a head that we finally get a bit of cooperation between the two of them now. And Garak calls Mila. Now, again, it's never stated well, in the this, show. At this point, Garak actually thinks that Tain is yeah. going to be on the list for assassination. Oh, yeah, he's doing it to try and help Tain. And, again, it, it's never, ever said officially. I think it is in Andrew Robinson's book, but Mila's Garak's mum, isn't she? I mean, that's what... Yeah, Mila's his mum <coughs> and Tain's his dad's in the yeah, book. Yeah, and M- Mila's, like, um, the housekeeper Mi- of Tain, so he obviously had an affair with her and yeah. Garak's the product of that and everything. But this is like one of the first times it actually looks like Garak genuinely cares about someone else. Like, he genuinely looks worried about Tane. He yeah. genuinely looks like he cares about Mila. And it it's good to see his defences come down a little bit at this stage. And then we get him taking the piss out of Bashir, where he's like, oh, you've got to get the hidden compartment. And you need to <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this eyes linear chip. Now, the thing is... Like, he's obviously taking the piss out of Bashir when Bashir asks him what he wants to do. But we know that Garrett tells the truth within his lies. Oh, yeah, he probably has. So probably one. isn't an isolinear chip in that panel behind his wall, but the doctor won't go check on it because he thinks he's yeah, talking probably because he told him to eat it. Yeah, oh, yeah, most likely. <laughs> and this shows why this has to be an Odo episode, not a Bashir episode, for all the things we've said. But yeah, Bashir's just too easily strung along. Too gullible. Yeah, Garak needed someone who was going to challenge him and push him a bit and work out what's going on. And Bashir wouldn't have done it, he just got caught up in it all. Maybe not season six Bashir, but certainly season three Bashir. I think even season six Bashir would. Yeah, maybe. Um... So then they end up, we get the reveal of the Romulans. So we get Tane captures them, but he's working with the Romulans. And we find out it's a joint thing between the Tal Shiar and the Obsidian Order. And this explains what was going on back in Defiant, that they were building these ships that the Cardassian yeah, uh, military well, we didn't know were, about. 
that's the fleet the Kardashians were building, but they've also been building them with the Romulans and they've all got cloaking devices. Yeah. So, the, I mean, this is... But Garrick's really clever here, isn't he? When, mm. like, when he meets Tane and Tane's there, he starts being racist towards the, the Romulans to see Tane's response yeah. to work out... Yeah, <laughs> and Tane knows what he's doing. It. It's yeah. And it's like Odo says, like, Odo's quite open with it. He says, look, I, I'm not impressed by either of you because all you do is you both go to such extents <coughs> to lie about everything you're doing and try and look so clever that you end up saying nothing. And there is a bit of that, like, because well, Garrett thinks it is, isn't it? It's like It's like Garrett's saying the stuff to Tane to try trigger him or trigger the yeah. Romulans to find out but how then, close they are and who's in charge. And Tane explains it to yeah. Odo what he's doing. Exactly, he's Tane's like, it. you see what he's doing? That's really clever. <laughs> and you can imagine just Odo going, for goodness sake, can we just get on with it? You know, stop trying to stop trying to one-up each other, you know. And yeah, effectively, this is, we're going to destroy the founders. That's the, the whole plan. Yeah. We're going to go over there. We're going to destroy the founders' yeah. homeworld. And that's going to stop... We know- we know everything that you do. We know where the planet is because you've been sharing information with the Romulans yep. as per your agreement so, to have the Defiance. Yeah, and again, like, we talked a lot about this when we talked about who started this war and who did what and everything. And basically, the Federation started it by going back into Dominion space after they'd been told not to. Yeah. But now the Tal Shiar and the Obsidian Order are really escalating this. And you can well, sort of well, see... Well, they're there, Like, when they're going, they're going, if we fail, we'll have, we'll have a war. Yeah. And you can sort of see where the founders are coming from. So from their point of view, it's like, we're minding his own business. Admittedly, we've got a bit of a fascist empire going on, but we'll ignore that for the minute. But it's our, but it's our fascist yeah, it's empire. It's our, yeah. And we're happy, minding his own business. All of a sudden, these ships start coming in from the other side of the galaxy. They build colonies over here. We blow up the colonies and we say, look, stop coming over here. They carry on coming over here. In retaliation to that, all we do is we kidnap some of them and we do like a holodeck thing, an imaginary thing to work out what they might do. But we leave it at that. We say, and look, we let them go. We let you go. We give you a nice shiny ship back. We we send you back. We we send over one of the founders to see if Odo fancies one of his fellow officers. Pretends to be a probably was going to kill her, but didn't work out. But never, but he did, we didn't. Just did that. We just wanted to see what we're going on with Odo's love life. That's fine. That's all we've done. Um. One of us, Jemadar, got marooned on your station by accident, but that wasn't our fault. That was some trader yeah, who brought it. Somebody, there. somebody uh, traded some wreckage that had a young Jemadar yeah, in so it. So that that wasn't all to do with us. And now you've decided to gang up and blow up his home world. So yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, like the Dominion world. We're meant to look at the Federation as being the ones suffering. But the Feder- the Alpha and Beta Quadrant caused all this. Oh, definitely. <laughs> this, up until now, all the aggression has come from our side. Yeah, definitely. And it's not even like it's... It'd be a bit different if the Federation had gone over there and gone, 
right, the Dominion are oppressing people, we've got to stop it, and proactively gone to try and take the Dominion down. But they haven't, they've they've just kept on chipping away at them and irritating them until the Dominion yeah. have gone right, we've had yeah. enough. We've got to come over to, to your, your sector, your territory. We know that we can't do this in Klingon space. We can't just go in and set up territory. Yeah, no, we've got a neutral We know we can't zone. do this in Romulan yeah, space. We can't zone. do it in Cardassian space. So we're going to come into Dominion space and we're just going to, oh, we'll have that planet, we'll have that planet, and we'll set colonies up. Yeah. Yeah, not good, lads, not good. But to be fair, I think at this point, the Federation can take a step back and go, look, we, technically we might have started it, but... These Romulans and Cardassian lads are making it a lot worse now. It's yeah, like we can blame the, it on them. What have the Dominion <laughs> at this point done to the Romulans and Cardassians for them to do this? To warrant this? Oh, nothing. But the the Romulans <laughs> and Cardassians are much more like I can see what they might do. So yeah. we don't want none of that. So this is a preemptive strike. It is, yeah. Planning and so we get all that, which is huge revelations and everything. But I think. The genius of this episode is that it is a character piece because you get Garak's genuinely upset that Tane thinks he betrayed him. Like, again, he, he drops his guard for a minute there because he's yeah, not bullshitting or anything. I never betrayed you. Everything I did was for you. Yeah, which, again, we can't confirm uh, or deny yeah. that because we don't know what we, happened. No, but, but, but we can we can confirm that he's gone running off here because he thinks yeah. Tane is in as much danger as... Over five operatives that have been killed. And there was ought to be an attempt on himself. Yeah. And that's why he brought Odo into it. Yeah. And then to say that all of this is a build-up to what's... You know, we're going to get the big battles next week. That's coming. <coughs> but the actual cliffhanger is... It's, it's a moral dilemma. It's a character that we know. And it's whether he makes a good choice or a bad choice. And... That, yeah, like, that's the cliffhanger. Well, Tane, that... Tane gives him the choice. He goes to, he tells Gara, you're free to go. Yeah. I, yeah. I actually believe you that you're not lying. And these two probably do know how to tell if the other one's lying or not. Yeah. And Tane's gone, you can go, but Odo can't because he's a founder. Yeah. And, and this... I'll release him after the mission. And this is what I mean about the sophistication of DS9's writing that we're going to do this massive, massive two parter. Not even at the end of the season. And the actual cliffhanger is not going to be something blowing up or a battle starting. It's going to be three blokes in a room and one of them being given a choice and that's your cliffhanger. And, and it, and it, well, it, it ain't because he actually shakes it, hands. It, yeah, you're right. He makes it, the He accepts chains off, doesn't he, to join in. Yeah. Because so. it ends as with them shaking hands. And Odo looking on. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's that's ballsy to do a cliffhanger that's like that. cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> it could have been. They, they could have rejigged the episode a little bit and had the attack starting or whatever, but no. Or the reveal of Tame could have been the cliffhanger, but it's like, no, we're going to do an extremely character-focused cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> and the character that... Not in danger, but the character that we're asking you to emotionally invest in is a secondary character that isn't even that in the main cast. That may or may not be a goodie. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, excellent stuff from DS9. 
And next week, I think, it's going to be even better. So looking forward to talking about that yeah, one. I'm looking forward to watching it. Like, I'm, I'm like you. We've se- I don't yeah. know how many times I've seen this episode. So I do know what's coming. But still. But not to, I've, I've deliberately not put it fresh in my memory for tonight. <laughs> well, this is it. You can crack on now. You can watch it now yeah. that we've finished this I one. <laughs> uh, so we'll be back next week talking about episode four of yeah. um, Prodigy. And... The die is cast from DS9. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, we're at RetrekPod on Twitter, RetrekPod at gmail.com. Come and join us on our Facebook group. Just search for Retrek or check out the, the YouTube videos. We've got the the streams of the podcaster on there. Elliot's got his Voyager model at the minute that he's building on Retrek uh, model yeah, studios. Yeah, I've had to be in a different part of my room because the circuit boards have sort of... <laughs> done like that <laughs> as, I'm, as I'm prototyping everything together <laughs> fair enough but if you want to see how to build uh, an electronic all singing all dancing Voyager check it out how many videos are you up to in that series for Voyager now I think it's nine or ten but some of them are very short and right they're sort of like I've got videos where I'm showing the effects that I've put together before they're going in the ship just on the table and then I'm sharing how I've done it all. So this yeah. sort of a second video comes out of... Yeah. Like, there's three videos on there. My water cell's moving because it's, like, the first one really quick where it's just the struts going like that. Then there's another one where I've actually got all of the cells moving. And then there's a third one where I've shown all the mechanism inside and yeah. how I actually... Did it? No, that's so awesome. it's dragging out into quite a lot of videos, but it's because I'm showing how I've done. I'm going to say it's thorough though, and themselves. if you do want to build a Voyager, check out our <laughs> latest videos on Retrek Model Studios. Um, we'll see you next time. So thanks for trekking with us this time, and we'll see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye bye.